Coming down from the Father above, sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. That's all there is to it. Sing it with me. Come on now. From the Father above, sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. One more time. Come on. Peace, peace. I have wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever. I pray in fathomless billows of love. Father, this morning as we turn to your word, we do so looking for peace and comfort. In a day and in an age that is seemingly stirring more anxiety and worry, than we can remember in a lifetime. But Father, help us not to get caught up in the worry. Help us not to get caught up in the anxiety of life, but rather help us to fix our eyes upon you. For our hope is in you. Everything that comes from your hand is for our good and for our benefits. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to see that, and focus on that this morning so that we can leave here with that peace of God that passes understanding. Now let your word speak to us today. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. So Lord, bring it to us in such a way that we can hear it and understand it and then give us the wisdom, Lord, that we need to apply it properly to our lives. And we give you praise and we thank you in advance. For we ask it in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to actually begin at verse 25 for the sake of context. The scripture says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body and what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour? In the King James Version it says, 
cubit to his life. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, and what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all those things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things shall be added to you. And then verse 34 says, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I, I heard this week, early in the week, that one of the biggest problems that we face in the world today is anxiety. That people are dealing with anxiety at levels like never before. Now, there are psychiatrists and psychologists that are trying to figure all that out, and why is that? And to be very honest with you, I don't think any of them have the answer to that question. <clears throat> Everyone has an idea. They have a presupposition as to what they think is causing it. And there are many things that we could suggest this morning, but the bottom line is, is it's just the time that we live in. We've always had worry, we've always had anxiety, but we've never had it on the level that we currently have it in the world today. I heard this week that the two most prescribed types or classes of drugs, number one is opioids, which deals entirely with physical pain. It, it, it often is the gateway to addictions, as we know. Because once those opioids no longer have the effect, then they have to find something that has more power and more times than not is not available from a physician and must be bought on the streets. And that's the reason we have so many issues with drug addiction in the world today. Opi opioids are the number one prescribed medication. The number two is drugs that deal with anxiety. It's just simply medicine that is, to, it, that is developed to help us feel better or to not feel as much as we might feel in the natural realm. And so what I would like to suggest to you today is that while I believe that there are times that anxiety and worry uh, can be brought on by chemical imbalances and things of that nature that need to be treated by doctors and physicians, I believe that on many occasions, if we can just get our minds wrapped around faith, and this idea that if God can do all things, He can certainly calm us in those moments when we need to be calmed, that there will be less of a need for outside intervention by doctors and prescription drugs. Again, I'm not trying to throw guilt or to shade anyone. If you're taking some type of anxiety medication or anything of that nature, please don't take it that way. I'm just saying that I believe 
that there are times, and, and, and the majority of the time, if we can just wrap our minds around faith and wrap our minds around God and what He is able to do, that we can overcome these things that are caused by worry and anxiety. And so in this passage of Scripture, he begins in, in verse 25, very clearly he says, do not be anxious about your life. Now that's a pretty clear statement right there. Do not be anxious about your life. Now you say, well, is that a command? Yeah, I grew up in the church world that I used to hear sermons that said this all the time, if you are a worrier, you are a sinner. How many of you have ever heard that? Uh, they used to ask these questions, if you worry, are you committing sin? Well, I, I don't really want to go there because I don't want to be the judge of whether or not you or I are committing sin or are serious, uh, sinners. But here's what I would like to suggest to you. I would like to suggest that when God gives us a statement like this through His Word, He's not trying to throw shade on us or to condemn us that would be contrary to his word that says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's not trying to condemn you. What he's trying to get across to you is that there's a better way for you to live. That there is a way to live that is better than filling your mind with worry and anxiety. And so when he says, do not be anxious about your life, what you're going to drink, about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? What he is saying to us is that if you can just get your head wrapped around us, this, there is a better way to live, and that is a life that is void of anxiety. And we all want to be void of anxiety, don't we? We all want to get rid of that nasty critter that seems to follow us around, but there are some things that we have to understand about worry and about anxiety if we're going to get victory over it. So let me share with you four simple thoughts this morning about worry and about anxiety that may help us to understand it. And the first one is simply this, that Scripture kind of points out to us that to be a worrier is to be foolish, Verse 26 says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Notice this phrase now. Are you not of more value than they? Now, I know that there are people even in our church that you have no self-esteem whatsoever. You have a very low self-esteem. It is not hard for you to get from where you are to this state of mentality that says, nobody loves me, and I'm really not worth anything much at all. And we begin to devalue ourselves in our own eyes, and when we devalue ourselves in our own eyes, we naturally then take the next step that says, well, if I can't love myself, then surely no one else can see value in me either. And so then we put thoughts and ideas in other people's minds that probably don't even exist there. And so someone looks at us or glances at us in this way and, and our mind starts to build a story or a narrative around that. Well, they must not like me. 
or they may, may not like the way that I'm dressed today, or this, or that, or whatever. And the root of it is, is that we cannot value ourselves the way that God values us. Now, where I live, there's a farm across the street, and there, there are power cables that go across uh, on the other side of the street. And every morning as I'm outside praying and meditating and drinking my coffee, I watch the birds as they come in and they, and they rest on those power lines. And they're always up there. There are times that there's more than others, but they just fly in and they sit down and they just sit there. You've got doves on one end, you've got the starlings next, and then you've got the little bitty birds that come. They're some beautiful, I guess they're finches, they're yellow, they're really pretty, and they come down at the other end, and then they're the barn birds, I call them. You know, they, they, they're just those little guys that they're always doing something. But they come and they sit, and the doves do a quick devotion and prayer before they start their day. I wondered if you'd catch that or not. And they sit there and then the sun starts coming up. And the dew begins to uh, evaporate off of the grass. And then all of a sudden, you can, you can see that they're starting to get a little excited. And they get that little Pentecostal twist on them just a bit. And here they are, they're sitting there and they're ready. And, and I finally have figured out what it is that they're anticipating. They're anticipating the worms coming up from the ground so that they can have breakfast. And so uh, when they get up out of the ground, here they go, down onto the ground. And boy, they're just pecking and pecking and pecking. And occasionally you can see one pulling one of those long worms up out of the ground. And just then they all go over and try to steal the worm from everybody else and all that. And as I'm sitting there and I'm watching all of this and I'm just simply absolutely amazed at the intricate detail at which God decides that He's going to take care of these birds. Now one thing we have to understand about the value of these birds, especially the little birds, is that in Bible times they were not very valuable at all. But they were allowed, if, if you didn't have a lot of resources and you didn't have any money, you still needed to go to the temple to, to sacrifice for your sins. You might not be able to afford a lamb or, or some of the other things that were suitable sacrifices. And so they would sell these little birds two for a penny. Now think about that for a minute. Two little sparrows for one penny, and they could take those little worthless sparrows and present them to the priest in the temple, and they would accept them as a sacrifice before a holy God. And so it makes sense that if God is willing to accept the sacrifice of these two sparrows for the sin of His people, then they were valuable to God. If he made sure that they were taken care of, if he made sure that they had food, if, they, if he made sure that they had everything that they needed, then he considered them to be valuable. So let me say to you today that you need to start right there. There's some of you that for the transformation that you're hoping for in your life, you need to begin to just see yourself as valuable in the eyes of God. He loves you. He knows you by name. 
He knows the number of hair that are on your head and how many falls off in your hairbrush every day and is able to do the math and adjust the number that's on your head based on what's growing in and what's going out. He loves you and you are valuable to Him. And listen, it really doesn't matter if you're not valuable to anybody else. What matters is is that you are valuable to God and you are valuable to yourself because until you understand those two principles, then you'll never be able to interact with society in a peaceful manner. So it's foolish for us to think that we have no value when the fact of the matter is is that all of us are divinely valued by God. You say, well, I don't have as much money as that one, and my house is not as big as this one, and, and it, my, my friends, and my, my hair's falling out, and it's not, you know, I have, to, uh, I have to put dye on it to keep it from going gray and all that kind of stuff. Listen, you do whatever you got to do there. I'm just glad to have hair, and if I didn't have any hair at all, I'd be glad not to have any hair at all. I'm glad that it's kind of cool these days to just shave it all off and go, oh, natural. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't change my value because my value is based upon who God says that I am. And if the devil tries to tell you that you're not valuable, if the devil tries to tell you that you're not worthy, if the devil tries to tell you things about yourself that you've already settled with the blood of Jesus Christ, then you need to say to him, Get thee behind me, Satan. I'm not going to hear that or listen to that anymore. I am a child of the Most High God. In my veins flows royal blood. I am who he says that I am. So it's foolish for us to have those kinds of thoughts. Secondly, worry is futile. And we can worry all day long about something and it won't change our situation. Look at verse 27. It says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Now, for those of you who are reading in the King James Version, it says something about you can't add even a cubit to your stature. Now, here's an interesting fact about a cubit. Now, the people in those days would have read this and they would have probably understood what Jesus was saying in the proper context. But it actually had two meanings. The first was a cubit was um, a measurement. It it was a, a way to say this is so tall or so long or whatever. But did you did you know that a cubit equals 18 inches? Now, let's, let's put this back together with the Scripture. The Scripture says, how many of you, by worrying and being anxious, can add a cubit to your height? How many of you can grow 18 inches just by worrying about it? I don't know about you, but I've been six foot four and a half most of my life, but I'm starting to get shorter than I've ever been before, you know, other than when I was born and a kid, but I'm starting to go the other direction. Isn't that a, a weird thing? But for a lot of reasons, as we get older, our bodies begin to shrink a bit, except for right here, it seems like, and then it, it all goes there. It gets stuck right here in the middle. 
And so, you know, they say, you know, you're level-headed when the bubble's in the middle. So I'm pretty level-headed, I guess. It's the only way I know to describe it. But I'm getting shorter as I get older. And I, I got to thinking about this this week, and I thought, how many of us would like to be 18 inches taller? You know, now, Carolyn, maybe. But, but beyond Carolyn, you know, most of us, yeah, yeah, yeah Bev, maybe. Most of us, the very idea of trying to worry and, and be anxious about our height is just, it's just crazy. And we would never say, God, I want to be 18 inches taller than I am. Listen, it's hard enough for me to buy pants now. Not because of the waist size, but because of the length. I can't get them long enough. That's where I, I during the summertime, I like to wear shorts because I can get them long enough. But I have to be careful because I'm so tall. If I, if I got 18 inches taller, I just wouldn't be able to do it. Now, my grandson Ben is, you know, he's still growing and he's getting big and he's buffing up and all that kind of stuff. I, I think he may be wearing, is it a size 15 shoe now or 16? Somewhere in that neighborhood. Listen, let me just go on record as saying, I don't want feet that big. I, I, just, I just don't. The only thing, the only advantage that I can see to having a size 16 is that you wouldn't have to bend over nearly as far when it comes time to clip your toenails. They'd be a little closer to you, and so you could kind of deal with that. So the Scripture says, how many of you just by worrying and just by being anxious could add 18 inches to your height? How many of you know that's not what Jesus is talking about? So the people who lived in those days would have understood that what he was talking about is the span of life that they would live. Because a cubit could not only be a measurement, but it could be a description of the span of life. Now we worry about our age and how long we're going to live quite a lot. You know, I... I hit that 60 plat that that 60 uh, age grouping now and you start thinking about things differently than when you were 20 or 30 or 40 you start looking at the future and you know what am I going to do and if I if I you know have to live with somebody am I going to live with Jonathan or am I going to live with Aaron I'm going to live with Elizabeth or I'm going to live with Justin and and you start thinking how in the world am I going to be able to pull that off and you know, you just start worrying. I just, I just say, Lord, take me. And it's not that I don't love my kids, but the thought of having to live with them. And listen, I've been on that side where you're a caregiver. I don't want them to have to feel and do what I felt and did when I was giving care to our parents. And so I understand all that, but if you're not careful, you can begin to worry about that. I read an article the other day that said that if you're going to retire, you must have at least a million dollars in your retirement account if you're going to be able to retire. And when I read that, I just thought, well, just go ahead and take me now, Lord. There is no way in this world that I'm going to be able to accumulate a million dollars. I just, I'm just not going to make it. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. I've been saving. You know, we've, we've gone that debt-free route. And let me tell you, debt-free is such a nice thing. It's such a good thing. It really is. 
car payments gone, all that kind of stuff. And, and so you, you, you begin to think about those kinds of things and how am I going to make it and how are we going to do it? And then I just have to picture myself as a little sparrow and realize that I can only do what I can do. I cannot do more than I can do. I can only do what God empowers me to do. And then I have to set out on the electric line and wait for the worms to come up. Because it's futile to worry about anything else. And I have to tell you, the older I get, the more I look forward to heaven. Now, I'm not looking to die today. I don't want anyone to shoot me on my way out of church or run over me or anything like that. I'm not looking to die, but I'm looking at the other option and I'm thinking it's going to be sweet one of these days to leave this body and to be present with the Lord and to be in His presence and to walk on streets of gold and never have another worry and never have another care and never shed another tear. I don't know about you, but I'm just at that age where I'm saying, even so, Lord, come quickly. Amen. The more I hear on Fox News and CNN and Breitbart and the Federalist Papers, and I wouldn't watch MSNBC if my life depended on it, but if you like it, you go ahead and do that. But I'm telling you, the more that I listen to that kind of stuff, the more anxiety and worry builds in my life, and I've just determined that I don't have to take that in so it can poison my spirit. If I'm going to take anything in, I'm going to take in what will build my faith and cause me to become a strong man of God in this crazy world in which I live. So worry is futile. Thirdly, worry always produces frustration. Look at verse 28. And why are you anxious about your clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. My wife told me yesterday it was time for me to buy some new shirts. I said, uh, okay. She said, I'm tired of looking at the shirts that you're wearing. She said, some of them you've had for years. And she said, they make them so well these days that you can wear them forever. You know, just this week, it's interesting, it must have been providential that she said that. Because two days this week, I got up and got dressed to come to the office, and I put shirts on, and I noticed that there was a stain on one of them right here. So I tried to, you know, clean it up and get it out. Stain still there. I put it in the dirty clothes, thinking that, you know, maybe it'll get better. She did laundry yesterday. I looked at it again. Same stain, same location. You know where it's going? It's going to the trash. Or, or Goodwill, one or the other, whichever I get to first. I had two shirts like that. The other one, stain was right here. Now, I know how this one got here. I missed my mouth more than one time. That's, that's how that one got here. I don't know what it was, but it would not come out in the wash. My mom lied to me because she told me, she said, son, it'll all come out in the wash. There are some things that don't come out in the wash. How many of you know that? And they stain us for life. 
And we can either wear that stain and be reminded of it every day that we wear the shirt, or we can throw the thing in the trash and say, I'm not going to be reminded of that stain anymore. I'm going to clear my mind of what caused that stain on my shirt. And some of us need to clear our soul of some of the stains of the past and refuse to acknowledge them any longer. It always produces frustration. I don't know anybody that says, I'm going to go out on the porch now for a while and inspire myself with worry. I'm going to go out on the porch today and see if I can figure everything out. I'm going to go out on the porch today and set my mind upon the frustrations of life. I know a, people, a few people that they really like it, I guess, because they tend to stay there. Let me tell you, you don't have to stay in a spirit of worry and frustration. There's peace that passes all understanding available to you through God your Father. But it always produces frustration. It is a negative emotion that will take root in our soul if we allow it to. Just a few days ago, there was a quarterback who played in the National Football League. His name's Andrew Luck, played for the Indianapolis Colts. And he decided to retire. And everybody said, you're crazy, man. You're too young to retire. He's only 29 years of age. He's made millions of dollars in just a few years that he has played football. But he has been injured the last few years more than, than he's played. And he decided that I'm not enjoying this anymore. This is not as much fun as it used to be. My body hurts. I go through these cycles of being well and being whole and then getting injured and having to go through rehab. And the majority of my life over the last few years has been injury and rehab, injury and rehab, injury and rehab. And so I have decided in order to make my life livable again, I'm going to have to do it without football in my life. And everybody went crazy. One said, he's nuts. Before he retired, he could have made a half a billion dollars in contracts if he'd have just kept playing the game. But he said, I'm not happy. I hurt more than I feel healthy. I just can't live like this anymore. And then some football players started standing up and said, leave that boy alone. Unless you've been where he is unless you've experienced the kind of pain that he is experiencing, unless you've experienced the kind of lifestyle that he has to live just to get up every day of his life, then you cannot understand. Well, let me tell you today that there are people in this house today that you've been through difficulties and frustrations and pain and upset and you're at a place in your life where you are so frustrated because you cannot get the answers. Let me tell you, the only way that you're going to find peace is to change your environment and change where you are so that God can do a new thing in you. 
You can't keep living where you're living. You can't keep saying what you're saying. You can't keep doing what you're doing and expect your circumstances to be different. You're going to have to change something. And so why not say, God, I'm going to give all of my frustration and all of my pain to you. I'm going to put it in your hands. It is yours, and with your help, I'm going to walk away from it. And fourthly, Here's something that we have to understand. Worry always displaces faith. Worry always displaces faith. Now, faith should be the default for the Christian. Is that not true? We call ourselves people of faith. And yet, so often, we do not walk in faith. But we acknowledge our worry and we acknowledge our anxiety. And every time that we give place to worry and every time we give place to anxiety, it displaces the faith in us. Grant, will you help me preach this morning? Come up here if you will. You're fast, you're able, and you're tall. Besides that, I need somebody I can knock down on the ground. And so I... Looked around and said, no, I'm not going to do that to you, I promise. Okay, let's, let's just for a moment and for the sake of this illustration, let's just say, he's faith and I'm worry and anxiety. Don't you say a word, Miss Donna. This would not be a good time for you to say amen, glory, hallelujah. I am worry and I am anxiety in your faith. Say, I'm faith. I'm faith. Okay, he's faith. I ain't intimidated by you. Because I'm going to live in such a way that I'm going to build up worry and anxiety rather than faith. So instead of reading the Word, which does what? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of the Lord, I'm not going to build you up and strengthen you up by building the Word of God, reading the Word of God and building my faith because I don't want you to be bigger than me. I like my worry better. Because my worry makes me feel important. You know, it makes my pastor have to pray for me all the time. And we're paying him good money anyway, so he might as well be praying for me. I need to call him, let him know four times every week. Today's one of those days. You better hit your knees, big boy. This is a bad day. Bad day. Now listen, I don't mind praying for people. But did you know that there are a lot of times that you could pray for yourself and you could overcome your situation without having to bother anybody else? So I'm worried. And so worry displaces faith. So faith, no, stand back up, boy. What's wrong with you? You getting ready to throw up? Okay, I'm just kidding. Here, walk, walk, stay, stay right there. Stay, stay, stay. I didn't give him a script for this, so you're going to have to cut him a break. He's walking by faith right now. He's faith. And I'm worried. Faith is basically pretty strong and pretty solid. And it, it stays grounded. It doesn't move around a whole lot because what we build our faith on is on Jesus and on His Word. But worry, 
It just goes around all the time. I'm going to worry here for a minute. Okay, I've worried that through. Now I'm going to go over here and I'm going to worry for a minute. I'm going to worry this through for a few minutes. And I, I don't have anything to worry about. Oh, I know, Facebook. I'll get on Facebook. There are plenty of people on Facebook writing stuff that I can worry about. Worry, 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 worry. And all the time we're forgetting about faith. Faith is just standing there. Faith is ready to be activated. Faith is ready to jump into the game and save the day. Mighty Mouse is on the way. Faith. But worry's just here and worry is there and worry is here and worry. Oh my goodness, my tooth hurts. I'm going to worry about it. I might have a cavity. It might be falling out. Oh, it could be cancer. Under my tooth. My ear hurts. Oh my goodness, there's a brown recluse in my ear canal. I got I gotta go to the emergency room. There's something in there. It ain't a spider. You need to trim your ear hairs out of the canal. That's all you need to do. Worry, worry, worry. My wife told me yesterday, she said, don't you dare go to church without doing your nose and your ears. We're driving down the road yesterday and she looks over and she said, you know, I can see every one of them. They're just coming out. The sun and the... Worry, 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 worry. I'm worried, I'm worried, I'm worried. I'm a, now I'm anxious. Oh, my heart is palpitating. Did you know that anxiety causes more heart palpitations than heart disease does? I didn't know that. I read it in an article this week. So you get anxious and you start, I'm not done with you yet, but I will be here in just a minute. So, so we get anxious and we start worrying and our heart starts giving it like this and it's like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And we've got to calm ourselves. We've got to breathe deeply. We've got to put the Word of God to work in our lives and say, what does the Word have to say about this situation that I'm facing? Because it doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what the newscasters say. It doesn't matter what the weatherman says. The only thing that matters is what does my God say about me in this situation? Worry, 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 worry. And before long, worry displaces faith. Man, that preacher, he preached good Sunday. I went out of here feeling like, I could whip ten devils, not just one. I'm going home, I'm whooping some devils. And then we get home and the wife says something or the husband says something or the dog vomits on the carpet or whatever the case. And we start, ah, ah, that's so dumb. I hate that, I hate that. And we just displace faith. We push it out of the way. You say, what am I going to do? Come here, faith. Stand right here in the middle. When I try to displace you, I want you to fight back. You ready? You got it? 
here's a true man of God. He's already got the scripture right here. He's ready to quote some against me. And when I start worrying and I start trying to push faith out of my way, what are you going to do about it? What you going to do? Push back. What you going to do? What you going to do? What you going to do? Let's take a break. Worry ain't working. Anxiety ain't working. You know why? Because faith is pushing back against my worry. Faith is fighting back. And when I try to displace my faith, boom, chakalaka, boom, chakalaka, boom, chakalaka. Faith pushes back and says, oh no, not this time. You may have defeated him the time before, the time before that, or the time before that, but faith is going to square its shoulders and push back against the circumstances of life so that the devil will be defeated in every circumstance. Thank you, son. Give Grant a good hand. Some of you just need to get your spiritual booties out and start pushing back a little bit against the devil and saying, I've had all of this I'm going to take. I've had all of this of the enemy that I'm going to take. I'm going to start walking by faith. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you will. I'm going to close with this passage of Scripture that you all know very well. Because it's one thing to be able to identify worry and anxiety. It's another thing to be able to fight against it. So, so how do we do that? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I have been fully known. And verse 13, so now, say now, faith, hope, and love abide. Now look at that word abide. Abide means it just stands still. I'm not going anywhere. You can push me around if you want to, but I'm not going anywhere. I am solid. I am strong. Because of the Spirit of God that is alive and well in me, I can face any obstacle and any situation. I'm standing my ground and I'm standing it right now. Some of you just need to square your shoulders and stand your ground right now. Abide in faith, hope, and love. What is faith? Well, faith is exploring other possibilities. It's exploring what I can do differently. You remember this pastor around here says this all the time, expect, expand, explore. Explore, expect, explore, expand. There you go, I got it in order. Explore your faith. Explore different avenues. I'm glad that we can grow in knowledge and understanding and wisdom, aren't you? I'm glad we don't have to fight our battles today like we did 10 years ago because we've got fresh revelation of God and who He is and what He's able to do in us. Fresh revelation and then hope. 
What's hope? It's expectation. And it is not negative expectation. It is positive expectation. It is expecting the best. If you're hoping for something, you're not hoping for something bad. Oh, I hope I stub my toe tonight when I go to bed. Oh, I hope that I get cold and have to get up and put, put my flannel pajamas on. I hope that, that, that... No, we don't hope for bad stuff. We hope for good things to happen. It is an expectation of something positive in our lives. And then love. Love is expansion. Love brings about new things in our lives. Let me tell you that when I came to be your pastor, I did not love you. I didn't. I didn't even know who you were. How could I love you? If I were to be honest about it, I didn't even like you at that time. Because I didn't know you. Some of you are going to go home offended today. Oh, man, that prize reach, they didn't like me, didn't love me. Listen, I didn't like you nine years ago. I didn't love you nine years ago because I did not know you. There was a time that I did not love Donna. It was last week, but I mean, who's counting? I mean, that's just, only kidding. One of these days, I'm going to give her the microphone and I'm just going to let her unload on me. That would be a great sermon, wouldn't it? Great message. I liked her, but I had known her for a while. The first time I saw her, it was kind of like, maybe. I might, I might like her. I might see something in her. She looked at me and said, hmm, not a chance in this world. But love is an expansion. We expand ourselves through love. We expand ourselves through the Word of God. We expand ourselves as we live by faith. And we see possibilities and probabilities that we would never see if we were not walking in love. So now abides faith, hope, and love. And so that's how we must work through these issues of anxiety and worry and the cares of this life because those things exist right now and they will abide forever. Aren't you glad of that? Stand with me this morning if you will. I try not to do this any more often than I, I need to because I know that some of you, it's like, I got to go. I got to, I don't like to be up front and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes we just need to be close to one another. So that we